Hello and welcome to episode number 93 of the Wise Guys Podcast. I am John Tortorelli, Brian Capizello, and Justin Ray back on the show to discuss the Rudy Gobert punch. Oh boy, in the suspension, our play-in predictions for the NBA postseason. Odell Beckham going to Baltimore. What does that mean for Lamar Jackson in the last UFC 287? Talking about punches in real fights, we had ourselves an absolute delight on Saturday. I'm feeling great, guys. UFC, I mean, that was one of the greatest cards I've ever witnessed, and I'm pretty excited to talk some NBA ball. Y'all. Guys, I'm excited. Baseball season's underway. First two weeks are down. So I, I, I'm just as happy. And I just started my season this past Saturday. My Hurricanes, former champs, are now 2-0. and So super pumped. Yeah, from uh, getting paid to punch and uh, hurt uh, your opponent to punching your teammate on a basketball court. Now we got some uh, drama in Minnesota. Minnesota has a little bit of controversy. So Rudy Gobert not only punched Kyle Anderson in the middle of their win before they came back to beat the New Orleans Pelicans, make themselves the eighth seed in this upcoming playoff bracket, but also Rudy Gobert is then suspended. And if you watch the clip, you'll see Torian Prince jump off the bench, not to break up and separate Kyle Anderson and Rudy Gobert. No, it's to shove Rudy Gobert away from the team. The first thought I had when I saw this clip was, number one, Rudy Gobert's teammates don't like him. They don't necessarily vibe. And then after the game, a Target Center arena worker caught a video where Kyle Anderson saying, you gotta stop just babying Rudy Gobert. You have to pick either me or Rudy. And I kind of thought to myself, who would I rather have my team? Rudy Gobert making 45 million or Kyle Anderson making eight? I had to think about that. But then there's another dimension to this. The Timberwolves now move into a playing game versus Lakers without Rudy, the guy that you have five first round picks and a center who might be better than him in two years for, and he's tanked all of his trade value this season. First off, where does Minnesota go from here? And was it the right decision to suspend Gobert because of how important he'll be in this upcoming playing game? Jay Ray, I want to start with you first. Did the suspension make sense to you? Was it necessary or worth it for Minnesota? Uh, it's probably worth it if, if your teammates don't like being on the court with him. Then it's all the better to keep him off of it if your team chemistry isn't going to be there when you're fighting for quite literally your season in a playing game. So it's probably better if him off the court. And it's kind of sucky because when you acquire Rudy Gobert, you're expecting to get this uh, superstar defensive player of the year. And you've quite literally gotten the opposite, a guy that hasn't been able to mesh with your team. And I've been one to say, you know, it takes a while to get, you know, accustomed to a new group. And I've been making excuses and excuses for the squad. Um, but quite literally, it seems like this, the egg is broken here and it, it's probably better off keeping Rudy Gobert away from the team, at least for this game, until some things get hashed out. And while I know that punch wasn't a swing to the face, it wasn't like Mike Tyson was throwing a haymaker at somebody, or you just tapped the guy's shoulder. But still, anytime you see something like that in a huddle on, on, on the court, it's, it's no good. It's terrible culture, uh, no self-control there. You know, your season's on the line. You're playing for all these games matter for you. And, you know, you're a veteran in the NBA. You've played in some big playoff games already, and that's what you're doing. So it's more a knock on who Rudy Gobert is as a teammate than it really is anybody else on the Timberwolves. This goes so deep. I mean, it goes back to the to the trade, why they traded for him, you know, last, uh, last season during the playoffs against Dallas. They didn't have the interior defensive uh, rim protection. And they thought to themselves, okay, so who can we go get 
to, you know, protect our insides. Well, let's go get that three-time defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert. Now, the first mistake was the the trade that they gave up, right? The what was it? Four it was four first round picks and then a, a swap two as well, and then a abundance three of three movable contracts. Yeah, three yeah. Players, yeah. Uh and I think you 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 alluded to it. One of those guys ended up being one of John's favorite guys, Walker uh Kessler, who's uh and you probably want now more than Rudy Gobert. Uh, so it goes back to that. Then I just saw a stat today that apparently the um I don't know exactly the percentages, but I know I, I remember though without Rudy Gobert, I think they were at sixty percent uh winning, and uh with with Rudy, I think it was like forty six percent uh something like that. It it just hasn't worked all season. I mean, John predicted them to be the number one seed. He saw something uh, that he's trying to hide from it. And, and listen, you could see maybe where John was coming from. I don't know about number one seed, but definitely like, you know, top four, top five seed, 100%, right? And they barely finished eighth. The, the chemistry wasn't there all season. Cat missed a, a majority of the season, a lot of time. And even when he was on the court with Rudy Gobert, it, it, it didn't mesh well. They made the trade uh, mid-season or basically three-quarters of the way through the season for Mike Conley, right? Uh, they got D'Lo out. Oh, they got Mike Conley and uh, – uh, was that it? Or did they traded um, – That and Nicky Alexander That's Walker. going for L.A. right now. Bando. Yeah, right? but he was, he was in Utah. So they technically got Nicky Alexander-Walker and Mike Conley for D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, I mean, first off, the, the punch, was, was it even really a punch, guys? Like, wh when you watched that, it was more like a, kind of like an open-hand shove. I, I, we've all probably heard the, the reports of what was said exactly. You know, you got to uh, grab a rebound. Uh, why don't you block some shots? Uh, well, uh, um, and then when Kyle Anderson said to him, what did he say? Shut the F up, you B-word. Yeah, it went back, and then that's where I guess Rudy Gobert drew the line and 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 kind of shoved. I mean, because we all know Rudy Gobert is seven foot one. He's got a long reach. If he wanted to punch him in the face, he was going to punch him in the face in that in that position right there. John asks us in the beginning, was this the right decision to suspend him? And I've heard both sides. You know, I've heard the side of, well, it's it's the most pivotal game of the season. Why would you bench him? You know, it's only going to cause more riff making a, a more of a bigger deal than what it really uh, is. And I've heard the other side where it's, well, dude, they've got a better winning percentage without Rudy Gobert. So maybe they play better without Rudy. They were able to rally uh, in that game against New Orleans and win the game. Without Down by 12 Rudy. when Gobert yep. got ejected. So they've shown they can do it now. I mean, we'll, we'll get into the Lakers and T-Wolves game, but John alluded, uh, talked about the the audio too, right? That was apparently leaked. I, I was, who was the guy that leaked that? I want, want to know. The same guy leaked the Draymond video, apparently yeah, on Golden State back in October. <laughs> the Draymond video, unbelievable. This guy, this guy's getting around. He's getting around. That right there was the real feelings that Kyle Anderson has towards Rudy Gobert. And John started this off by saying Rudy doesn't vibe with his teammates. His teammates don't like him. I think 
Rudy Gobert comes off as a very nice guy, right? Like you would say he's got a big heart. He, he's he's almost too nice of a guy. That's why he's not looked at as the intimidator. When we when we talk intimidators, does anybody ever bring a Rudy Gobert? No, that's why Draymond said he's a little on the soft side. Yeah, and he's a three-time defensive player of the year. That doesn't that that's why the 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 biggest, you know, weakness of Rudy Gobert is is what? Go attack him in his chest. Attack him in his chest. Because he doesn't like that when you consistently do it. He's going to be, you're going to be able to take advantage of him. So so we heard from Kyle Anderson, th- that audio, and that's what his real feelings were on Rudy Gobert. That's what, and I think that's kind of, I don't know if Rudy heard it after he apparently sent a text and apologized and tweeted out. He apologized. I don't know if he heard that audio yet. But if he did, if I was Rudy, that would be it. Those are your true feelings. Stuff that you wouldn't even say to my face. Because yeah. nobody's around. Rudy's not there. Who's around? I don't know who's around. Nobody. Maybe he's just walking or maybe his teammates are around. So you don't even know if that's how the entire team or section of the team feels. It's it's too much. Uh, we found out Kyle Anderson's real feelings towards Rudy Gobert. And it is what it is. Some people just don't get along, and, and it's time to split. I, I And, John, you asked at the beginning, who would you rather have, Kyle Anderson for $8 million or Rudy for $45? i will take Kyle Anderson. Rudy Gobert's deficiencies, which you alluded to. Defensively, there have been playoff series where if he gets attacked in the chest, he can be vulnerable. Is Rudy Gobert intimidating? Absolutely at the rim, right? I'm not going to throw some soft floater up because he's going to reject that. But Rudy Gobert not only has shortcomings offensively, like in a playoff game, not being able to score on Reggie Jackson in the post, but he also crumbles under pressure. In high leverage moments, he tenses up, and there's always been a rigidity, dropping very easy passes, not being able to communicate, just stay in in check, under control. And we're seeing the same theme here. It's that every team that acquires Rudy Gobert realizes, hey, look, we can't win at the highest levels with him. Brad talked about it. The Timberwolves this year, 8-4 and four without Gobert, with a 118 offensive rating. The way they made the playoffs last year with Carl Anthony Towns was supposed to lead to them building around Anthony Edwards, not building around Cat. But when you acquired Gobert, the whole point was making sure Cat could be fine on defense. And you say, well, you know, Cat's got his issue, Rudy's got his issue. You mesh their two struts together and bam, you got the best, best front court in the NBA. Except it's not NBA GM. It's not 1993. 25 years ago, I think this could work. But to win at the highest levels today, you need to be able to guard in space, 25, 30 feet. Gobert's never played Golden State in the playoffs. Uh, excuse me, back in 2018, their first year making the playoffs with Gobert, he did. And they lost that series in four games. So it's been six years now. And I look at the Timberwolves and where they're headed. Suspending him was pointless because now you make this an even bigger deal and it's hard to move on from. But the reality is, the Rudy Gobert trade could go down as the worst in NBA history. And the reason why is because you have Anthony Edwards. There's so much on the line to build around a star player. We often forget you have to earn your right to keep them. And for Minnesota to give up all of your first round picks that you can possibly move this offseason, committing to a 31-year-old center when you already have another one set to make 200 plus million dollars. We don't know if he can win a championship team as one of the two best players. It leads you to this postseason where Tim Connolly, the guy that made this trade, he f- his franchise. Part of my French. 
Well, John, that's where I'm gonna uh, Let's stop go you there. Let's go, John. He's <laughs> he's got he's got a chance to redeem himself because he's got two assets that are one I would say is much more valuable in in cat, right? And he's got Rudy still. Now, is he going to get the same or or more value for Rudy Gobert that he gave up? No, but he can get something, right? He can get something because that's all you really need at this point because keeping him is not going to help your team. So you have to get rid of him addition by subtraction, right? Talked about that with Russell Westbrook. Tell me that's not working out now. Thank you. Five for us to wrestle though. I understand that. I understand that. But so addition by subtraction, you have to at this point. And then Cat, you can get a pretty good load for Cat. Um, I don't know, maybe two first rounders, maybe three. Yep. So you have two guys that you can explore options. And I think they will 100% in the offseason explore those two options. I, I honestly believe there's a massive chance, more than 50% chance, that both Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns are not Minnesota Timberwolves next year. I, I do both. think that. Both. Not just one. Well, I, I think that. the clock is ticking on Cat too. Right? I mean, the injuries as well, and and you guys even alluding alluding to from the beginning of the season, you guys have been saying you guys had questions about Carl Anthony Towns and whether or not he can be a leader on a championship team. So if he's not that leader, is is he is he a B? Do you guys see him at least as a B behind I, Edwards? I think John is much more harder on Cat than I am. Uh, I still think Cat is. Top 30 player. No, I'm talking centers at his position. I, I thought I think he's still top five for it, maybe just out four or five. Yeah, he definitely in is there. top five. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. This guy can get on, on at his best, he can give you 27 and 12. The like, reason I'm on, hard is defense. He, he he does lack on the defense. I mean, for being seven foot one, seven foot two, he lacks as a as a rim protector and he needs it's true. He at seven feet, he actually had a great feet. defensive game versus the Pelicans for his standards. He can strum it up when he, but but it's oh yeah. Maybe it's more the lack of motor. You know what Jimmy called him out for? Jimmy called him out for he didn't have that edge to him. True. For where the Timberwolves have wanted to go in the postseason, which is second round, conference finals, NBA finals, your limitation of not guarding space will haunt you. And so when you have a center on your team in the NBA more than ever before. They get exploited in space because a drop back big, that's what Cat has usually been, is going to get cooked in spread pick and roll. Mm. Last year, the Timberwolves changed their entire defense to have Cat hedging ball screens. What that led to was no rim protection at all. So you're going to have to give up one of those two things. And that's why a player like Bam, Draymond Green, Jaron Jackson is so beneficial. Defensively, they clog the most important thing. So... Cat can be moved for two first-round picks, but what I was getting at is Timberwolves made a move in acquiring a star, but the thing we can take away from Minnesota is that you have to make the trade at the right, right time. Anthony Edwards was 20 years old when they made that move, and you acquired a 30-year-old center. They could have strung up the momentum from last year, plus Walker Kessler and their existing roster and Kyle Anderson, and won more games this year, even with Cat being hurt, than last season. Last year, they won 46. This year, they get 42. And you made this, not only the big-time move, you sacrificed most of your assets and your, your spending capital. And the rest here was exactly what's happened this season. You've been better without Rudy. And the playoffs, he's going to bring elite rim protection, but what else? All Rudy Gobert brings is elite rim protection. That is the only thing. 
that is worth $10 million, 15. He can't catch lobs. He actually can. He just can't catch a ball below his waist. So he's got no offensive game. And then defensively, he doesn't switch. Yeah. He can grab rebounds. He can, but he bobbles every single offensive rebound he gets. And if he gets fouled, he's going to go one or two at the foul. He's a clumsy seven-footer. I'll give you that, Brian. You know what? He's an elite (laughs) run protector and a really good rebounder. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it, it, it's not too late for Minnesota to right their wrongs and, and the offseason just kind of do what we've seen teams in the NFL do after one year of a mistake, that little Josh Rosen, and uh, yeah. make the move and move on because you still have a young core. You still have Cat, who you paid boatloads of money for, and then you still have uh, the Ant-Man there who's so young. It's it's not it's never too late for this uh, Timberwolves team. They they have such an open window as long as Anthony Edwards is there. I mean, you know it gets it starts to close the closer he comes to free agency, and, and if you can't pay the guy and he wants to be out, but you got to make the star happy. Uh, I think uh, if Rudy Gobert is really the reason why the Timberwolves have regressed as much as they have, then you have to you have to back up the the truck and get him out of there. It's crazy well, how we well, just spent will. 15 minutes on Rudy. We even mentioned the part where Jaden McDaniels going to halftime, gets so frustrated, he punches what seemed like like a bed sheet. It turned out to be a wall. He breaks his hand. Now he can't even play in this playing tournament versus the Lakers. So you're down two starters. You're two best defenders on a top 10 D. I think for Minnesota, you have two elite wings in the making. McDaniels is going to be special. I think he's already first team all defense this season. There's a lot of great forwards. That's insane. He's been phenomenal. After that, the front office has to dig themselves out of a deep hole because the fact you won 42 games, I don't care if Cat was hurt. If Cat was healthy this year, I don't think they won much more games because when he was out, Anthony Edwards took a massive step forward and led them to pretty huge moments. And actually, him getting hurt helped Anthony develop. So it's it's ground zero. This is, this is big time for Minnesota. It's not, oh, you have next year. We'll have some time to get ready to gel. I thought that at first until I realized, mm. oh, wait, his teammates actually don't like him here as well, not just in Utah. Mm. So it's harder to see this Timberwolves team taking the jump the Jazz did two years ago in 2021. I just think you have to find a team like Dallas. And that's the ultimate partner here. The Mavericks don't have a starting center, but they do have a top 10 pick. Could Rudy Gobert be sent to Dallas for a top 10 pick and a couple of movable contracts that may not be quite good players, but it gives you the autonomy to make mid-level moves. I think that is where we're going to see Rudy Gobert move in the offseason because Minnesota has to write their runs and pick a damn center. And if I'm picking one of the two, I'd much rather have Carl Anthony Towns. That's what I said. I called it months ago. I said Dallas would be a great spot for Rudy Gobert. Well, Dallas is in their own mess right now. They are and in their own mess. They solved yeah. half of their mess by getting in. Well, maybe they need a, you know what? Maybe they just need a nice guy like Rudy Gobert in that locker room. A nice guy. Yeah, and that trade will look like Tim Hardaway Jr. has got three more deals, two more years after this year. Tim Hardaway's $19 million. Jeez, Davis Berton's 16. That'll get you the 33. We pair up those two contracts with JaVale McGee's 5 million. We throw on a top 10 pick, assuming they keep that. There's 90% chance they do. And there you go. The Timberwolves can get a top 10 pick and a couple of movable contracts for Rudy Gobert. Yeah, it's, it's... not worth the value gap a year ago. But no. if your players truly don't like Gobert, multiple. We've seen this in Utah, Donovan Mitchell. 
and he's not going to get the respect of his teammates. That's what it really comes down to. Players don't respect Gobert. Yeah, it's going to be hard to, to see this just gelling when there's already on-court concerns. Let's go right into Lakers versus uh, T-Wolves. Which leads us right into Lakers-Minnesota. Minnesota you know, will be missing their top two defenders in this matchup. We'll be storing Kyle Anderson at You know what three. that means, John? What does it mean? I mean, an open highway to the rim for LeBron James. And also means the Come Lakers here. are going to be heavily favored in a matchup where no seven seed yet has lost in the playing tournament. I think the Lakers are going to win this game because the Timberwolves just have nothing defensively outside Ant-Man and Kyle Anderson. That being said, the Timberwolves this year are 8-4 and four without Gobert. And I think for a team that struggles with engagement and activity, they're constantly not playing with high-level effort. With Gobert now out, they're out to prove something. They're going to play with more energy. I think this game is going to be down to the wire. It's going to go down in the last two or three minutes. But LeBron, AD, and D'Lo, who played well in last year's playing tournament, will have enough offensive firepower to beat Minnesota. That being said, a couple of these bench players... We're guys all in the Timberwolves last year, so they've got something to prove. V8, Malik Beasley, and D'Lo. This is a game that the Lakers really should run away with, but I'll be honest with you, I can't even say that with confidence at this point because I've seen so much inconsistency from the Lakers. Now, granted, they they, they got the seventh spot, but uh, I think the Lakers do win it. I'm with you, John. I think it'll be a nail-biter. I think it'll be closer than what LeBron and company anticipate. Uh, but the Lakers ultimately will get it done. I think uh, Timberwolves are too shorthanded at the moment. Listen, I'm looking at this, right? These two teams played in March twice. You know Anthony Davis's point totals in both those games, Justin? Put up 38 points in both games. All right. When, when, when him... He goes up against the Minnesota Timberwolves. It seems like he's just got their number or he's got something on his, you know, a chip on his shoulder he wants to prove or, or whatever. I don't know. But I, I think Carl Anthony Towns is in for a night against AD. Two Kentucky boys. Two guys trying to prove who's the best big man from Kentucky. Uh, AD's motor, I think, is going to be running. Because of that, that um, a storyline, LeBron's obviously going to be playing. I mean, in his twentieth season, you can't say enough. I, I mean, I, I got it's crazy. It, it's crazy out there what what LeBron is doing in year twenty, guys. It, it really is. It really is. Can't hate on it. You just gotta enjoy it. I got I got called in in our last video, one of our shorts, John, by by somebody. Uh, uh, I'll look at this LeBron rider. Uh, MJ's the goat. Uh, MJ wasn't putting up 29-8-7. But here's the ironic point. MJ is my GOAT, but I can big up another great player. I don't have to, like, it's that's not how it works, my guys. Um, I appreciate both. So, and, and then like John said, D'Lo, um, Malik Beasley, and Vando. I'm going to have some proof. I'd imagine Vando's probably going to be guarding Anthony Edwards. LeBron's going to have a, a, you know, playing free safety, basically. And then AD is going to be guarding Cat. It doesn't take too long to track Kyle Anderson, so. Yeah. And then you got Mike Conley and D'Lo. So, I, I, I expect the Lakers to win. 
with ease, they're an NBA team. They've they've you gotta respect school. Anthony Edwards. You gotta respect yeah, An- I and I respect Cat too. I expect the Lakers to win at least by ten points. To be honest with you, though, I do. Maybe I don't know about maybe that. it's close down to like two minutes, and then like the Lakers go on a little bit run. Uh, but it's closer than the score actually entails. You know, one of those type of games. But yeah, I expect the Lakers to uh, not to be that much of a nail scratcher going down to the uh, last couple seconds. You're in for an awakening because this is going to be the best playing game, I think. Next one up, we've got Atlanta. <laughs> like this slate is like this demon I mean, I slate. I think th- these playing games, freaking playing games. We've got one boring one, but we've got this playing game. These plans. John, that we were supposedly hyping up yep. uh, about a week ago, have not lived up. Zion, where's he at? T-Wolves, they ain't fully healthy. Dallas, they shit the bed. And then the East, we already know what the East is, is not that strong. It's Miami Heat and then the, the rest of them. Let's get to Miami versus Atlanta. So the Heat sure. are the seventh seed. Like we said before, no seven seed has lost in the plan. They'll be playing the Hawks. They dogged last year in five games. Trey Young in that series shot 31% average, six turnovers, and only averaged 15 points and six assists. Now, the Hawks this year are 1-3 versus their Southeast Division rival, and I think they're going to blow out Atlanta in this game. Respect that. Blow out's a strong word because Atlanta nah, does have a much better nah, head John, coach than Quinn Snyder. John, John. It's barbecue chicken, bro. We dominate. We dominate the Hawks. Trey Young rarely has a good game against us. DeJounte Murray, uh, he can have his, you know, little triple dub, and he's going to shoot ineffectively. Clint Capella, you ain't going to be doing nothing. All right? We're shutting it down. Hemi's here. We coming. Bam. Hero. I better see a big game out of Tyler Hero. All right? You're not going to need it. I think Atlanta has no shooting. and this It's matchup, not about needing it. It's I need to – I want to see it. You've seen it before it. in the playoffs multiple Get him a little bit more – well, this is a new – listen, that playoff is gone, all right? You got to update your resume. This is a new season, new playoffs. The, the regular season means nothing now. And it's one thing season. Atlanta has not updated themselves, Brandon, they are a worse shooting team the last year with no Kevin Herter. They oh, bring yeah. Sadiq Bay off the bench, and John Collins, after mangling his finger last year, has gone up to 38% in the last 28 game, 20 games – the ultimate issue here is Miami switching style defensively with Bam, Jimmy, yeah. and some of their, like, Caleb Martin. Yeah. That's a lot for Trey when guys aren't knocking Depot. down shots. Well, if he gets some playing time. Depot, he might not get Oh, all a Depot. Yeah, that's true. If he had He's been offense. in and out of the lineup lately because he's shooting the three ball like crap. Yeah, that's kind of the one flaw with him because he is still a very good perimeter defender. We saw that first Jalen Brown. He's got quick-ass hand. Oh, yeah. His, his, his hand speed is still there. But the other thing is the Hawks were a pretty mid-defensive team that acquired DeJounte Murray. And listen, I know there's been a lot of talk, right, about Kyle Lowry. I've talked about him. I've heard a lot of people dog him, right? But since coming back, he's played okay. He's played okay. Right? I'm well, he's on the floor. It. He gives Miami exactly what they need on both ends. I'm looking at it. In the month of March... 50% from the field, 48% from three, 90% from the free throw line, eight points, th- uh, four assists. Uh, I'd like to be that higher, but, you know, that, that's solid numbers for a guy. I mean, obviously paying him $30 million, that's not solid numbers. But this is what you expect from Kyle Lowry at this point. That's why the $30 million is such a terrible contract that we gave it to him. 
But Kyle has been playing okay since he's come back. He's been a quality rotational fit. Justin, let's hear your thoughts because you know we've got a dog their ass, right? I don't know about that, Brandon. You're, I, you're, I really a, chump. Don't. you're a chump. You're a chump. I, you're a I chump. really don't. I'm you're not, a chump. No, no, you're no, no. you're going to change one of my decisions about your New York Knicks. You're a chump. Listen, I'm only saying this because I, I believe this is true. And then you guys have said it multiple times, especially you, BC, just how a different playoff basketball can be. And in a play-in game where all things are on the line, just one team needs to get hot. You just never know. Uh, I'm not going to say – I don't think Miami's running away with this one with ease. I, I think the Atlanta Hawks are going to put up a hell of a fight yeah. in this one. Uh, I think – yeah, I think I'm going to do it. You're a Quinn Snyder respecter. Uh, the Hawks winning this. I, I think the Hawks are going to win this game. Let me ask you a question. If the New York Knicks were in our spot right now, the Heat spot, would you be picking the Atlanta Hawks? No. Yeah. See. All right. So I don't. I don't. I don't trust your analysis in this game. I don't think it's coming from an unbiased uh, perspective. Do <laughs> you think Trey Young's going to escape this series, this playing matchup, and move on to a playoff series? No, he is lying to us, John. He is. He does then, not uh, believe. I'm it. messing with you guys. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but I do believe. Uh, I have Miami winning. He doesn't. But yeah. I, what I do honestly believe is that it will be a closer affair than you actually think. I don't think it will be a walk in the park. Um, I, I have too much respect, honestly, from experience of what Trey Young can do in a couple of playoff games. And if that team just catches lightning in a bottle, they can make this a very interesting one. I have Miami you? winning a close one. I give you guys a game by six. Yeah. It, it, that was against you guys. He don't do that against us. Well, you just want to okay? disrespect me now. No, I'm not disrespecting you. That's the facts. Do. He did. He, you said it yourself. Yeah, yeah. I, he okay. don't do that against us because he's he's no disrespect, but he is miniature. Miniature. Okay, mm. he is coming from a short man to another short man. I was about to say, don't diss the short king, bro. No, I'm not. I'm he short too. He's miniature. The right? PM switches and the double so teams. He ain't, the he ain't, right? Kyle Lowry going to get up in him. All right. But I'll talk tell you, him. Listen, talk if, him if Miami finds if if Atlanta finds a way to win this game, uh, Miami's gonna have to start hitting the panic button because their window's closing very fast. I mean, it's it already, already pan- it's already it's it's already we're already, I? I mean we're already in panic mode. He's got like forty five million dollars committed to Kyle Lowry and Duncan Robinson, who are giving them I mean, who, low end. Who could have foresaw? That Kyle Lowry deal was so bad. When Honestly, Brandon, we have to talk about that? Sleepy Pat Riley because Pat Riley. Uh, you don't even know if that that report is true. So like, let's stop spreading false. I'm, I'm a narratives. huge Pat Riley guy. That's yeah. the nickname he got from a no. posted rumor that he fell asleep at the deadline. He gives Duncan Robinson a ninety million dollar uh. extension, who has really just fallen off. The okay, map. hold on, hold on. Let's provide context. All right, if we're going, Duncan Robinson. Was given that contract, right? 100% agree. Was he overpaid? You're looking at it hindsight. When it happened, we had to give him that money because he was an elite shooter shooting at an insane rate. That wasn't sustainable at 43%. Oh, you didn't you know that. Replace. You didn't know. You see, you you're Dr. talking Robinson's from hindsight, John. John, you, this is a problem you have. This is a problem you have that I've noticed is you don't know how to take your mind and put it back to where it was. You're 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 taking no knowledge now. I'm talking go back in a time machine 
and think Brandon, about you and contract. I talked about this at, at and I at was Connecticut a deal for the, I, I told that. you, look, Chip, you overpaid Duncan Robinson. You could have replaced him with a guy like Max Struess, who's on the minimum. And Max last year, Struess he was is shooting like Duncan. crap from three this year. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. And it wasn't Duncan's fault. Did he maybe play, play himself out of the lineup? Sure. Okay, he's not a good defender. We know we knew those limitations. Athletically, he's not a good defender. IQ-wise, I think he actually does have hot, a, a pretty hot, I wouldn't say extremely high, but he's got pretty good basketball IQ, all right? His limitations are his athleticism. He can't move his feet. He's freaking slow. and I mean, he's six foot seven, so that's that's working for him. The issue is he's not making shots. But the, 32%. But, but, that's, but that, that's, that's, that's the really point. Good. And, John, you should know this. How is he supposed to get any rhythm? How does he get any Last year in the playoffs, in round one, he had this great game and then saw no time after that. How is a shooter supposed to get his rhythm? You're the reason why, Brandon, is because against the Hawks, they could have him and Tyler on the floor. They couldn't really expose I, him on defense. I understand. The reason Duncan Robinson doesn't get consistent minutes is because you can't play him and Tyler, and you'd rather have Tyler on the floor offensively because he does what more you, off the dribble. Are you, who are you telling this? I know That's this. That's why. You can't play I know those this information. I'm not asking why. I'm telling you how is a guy supposed to get a rhythm when he's not in the game? Can't. And I understand why he's not in the game. But I forget. I think we forget. I mean, guys like Kyle Korver. And J.J. Redick played for a really long time. Elite three-point shooters. Were they anything on defense, really? Or were they a guy that you would look to and be like, I'm going to expose him on the other end? So I'm just saying, seems a little sus. Duncan Robinson, you can say maybe he's the worst out of those uh, two other guys I named. But by much. Okay, so the difference is JJ Redick wasn't playing with another non-defender. Two non-defenders that can be attacked in the playoff series. That's the well, whole you told point here. me you recently Tyler Hero's been doing too. a little better on defense. Tyler Hero, yeah, he has, but he's going to be attacked on switches still, mm-hmm. like a lot. What? I like Duncan Robinson. I wouldn't give up on Duncan Robinson. So let's continue here. I like yeah. to just point out the one good sign they made in 2021 was extending PJ. He opted out, and Miami wasn't looking to extend him. The Kyle Lowry deal made a lot of sense because he was exactly what they needed. And I loved the move at the time. I thought defensively he was going to be a nice fit. And offensively, he brought so much in pick and roll. He can shoot over ball screens if he went under. Really good playmaker that in Toronto won a championship playing off of another star on Kawhi Leonard. Superstar. No one could have really predicted Kyle Lowry to just completely fall off at 36. You could have expected it, but he was really the same player in 2021 back in Toronto. That just didn't work out for them. And so you look at all these moves from Miami, and it leads us to a point where the window has closed. It's just a couple of bad contracts that Pat Riley has given again and again. And in the draft, they haven't had lottery picks to replenish that two-way versatility they need. And one last thing. I think Jimmy Butler is a top-ten player. I think he's a playoff superstar. But because him and Bam don't shoot at all, you need to find that shooting from other positions. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get it, you're screwed. You're going to have nothing offensively. And because all of the role players this year, Gabe, Max, Duncan, and someone else, I'm forgetting, all haven't been able to hit, their offense in the first part of the year was disastrous. In the second half, it's improved some, but now that their offense has been better to close the season, their defense has taken a step back because Eric Spolish was playing more around at the uh, personnel groupings. It's just a limited roster with some really bad contracts. I would say 
window is closed as of right now temporarily is it is it there's a crack is it because i won't say it's fully closed because there are moves that can i name those moves now but there are moves to be made out. There's always moves to be made. I think Miami is such a well-run organization that it's tough for, for me to envision a window for them being shut so for, for a long period of time. And I think as long as Eric Spolstra is there and Pat Riley will figure something out. And, Once and those less, bad contracts are off the books, then yeah. Well, then they're also, not off the books for another two years. For Kyle Lowry in four years for Duncan. His contract is just now kicking in. Two years flies by. And, and Duncan's four years, so I'll make 19 million non guaranteed. So you have three years of Duncan. And, and, and listen, there are rumors out there. I, I don't know validity to these rumors, but that, you know, Jimmy might be upset with the organization, how, what, which way the organization is going. I don't know if I buy into them. That's fine by me. I can understand. I could, he's not, I could understand his, um, his frustrations. I really do. Uh, if he does go, I think Miami would figure out a way to pivot like we always have for the past, you know, 15 to uh, almost 20 years now. And if he does stay, I think we can find a, a new way to uh, acquire some that. talent to, uh, to you know what, listen, I'm trying to have my moment, John, and you're shitting on my moment, all right? I'm I'm trying to have this moment. I'm trying to talk to Miami Heat fans out there. I'm trying to get into their heart and look to the bright side of both situations. You just over here, and you just I need more energy. If this is if well, this is because it's, it's all gloom, I need more affirmation. It, you don't you listen. You don't get it, okay? You don't have a what favorite do team, okay? I my do. Team I'm a Brooklyn going Nets through fan. it right now. We are known winners for my life, okay? As a Miami Heat fan, we don't. Take losing, so I'm. You know what the struggle is like. Energy's not there. I'm going through it right now, John. I just would really love some freaking help and some support. All right, that's it. Some support. I know what the struggle is like. I've seen yeah. it for years in Brooklyn, and when they got Katie and Kyrie, I jumped off the bus. Let me tell you something, Brent. Great organizations don't give out bad contracts. And your Miami Heat are in for a rude awakening in three that, years when Jim that, Butler's thirty six, making true, fifty million dollars. Yeah. And what are you going to discredit my Nets fandom because I've been in that fan the last ten years? Yeah, I am not. also a Nuggets fan because Jokic is my favorite player. See, what is this? Who is yeah. One day you were a Knicks fan. One day you were a Nets. I, fan. I've never in my now life been a Knicks. Nuggets fan. Never say that again. That's a lie. Never you just that. made up on air. <laughs> I don't know where you're getting that information from, but my entire life. I've been a Nets fan in New Jersey. The moment they got Katie and Kyrie, I was no longer a fan of them because I didn't find them that interesting. I just, I'm sorry, I'm not like Brandon where all I like is great teams. I like to struggle a little bit. I like to struggle. And then I prosper. I've never watched Steelers win a Super Bowl. And guess what? I may never in my life. We'll see. I have no idea because they love mediocrity. That's your fault because you're- You know what, Brandon? I know what the struggle is like and I know how to climb out of it. And so do my teams. Well, you know, well, Brandon. I buy stock com- at the right time and I make a profit, and those dividends pay off long term. You know, we, we were talking about Brandon being comforted. He said he needs comfort. We'll we'll comfort you plenty if uh, Atlanta steals this one tomorrow night. Moving on to you know, the most boring playing game with the bunch: the Bills, the Bills, the Bulls yeah. at the Raptors. We can skip yeah. this relatively quickly. DeMar DeRozan is going up against his former team. Yes. Toronto has OJ and Obi to put on him, but the ultimate issue here is. Can Fred Van Vliet go up on Zach Levine, a player that's really gone hot in the last couple of months? 
I have Chicago taking this game. Alex Crusoe this year has been a menace defensively. They've been one of the best defenses in the NBA. I ultimately think Toronto, training for Jakob Earl the deadline was a good move, but he actually leads you to the middle of nowhere. I don't think Pertle will be good enough in this matchup to help him get the W. As Chicago taking this 106 to, I don't know, who cares about the score? Chicago, no one. Uh, yeah, I, 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 you say you're taking Toronto, right? Yeah. Um, he said taking Chicago. Chicago. Oh, you're taking Chicago. Yep. Oh, sorry. Um, yep. yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think I, I, my, my thing is, I look at it, it's going to be a close game. I easily can see Toronto winning this game. Uh, they're a well coached team, they're a tough team. Uh, but I do think, I think the I think this is a game where DeRozan is going to win their win them this game. I could see DeRozan dropping thirty plus thirty five uh, on uh, Wednesday night mm-hmm. and winning this game for them. So I'm going with Chicago and in Toronto too. So yeah, yeah, that's going to be a special game for DeRozan if he can, uh, you know, knock his former team out. But I'm gonna I'm gonna actually take Toronto in this one. I think going into the season, a lot of people even had them making the playoffs from the jump. Uh, this is a team with young talent on it just you know not really a solid direction we don't know where exactly this raptors team will be in the next couple of years but mid. huh mid right yeah but i tell you one thing <laughs> i think they're better than chicago so i'm going to go and, and lean with toronto here i think toronto's going to defend their uh the north and a quick aside the raptors literally sacrificed a top five pick in a draft that has victor and Binyama so they could just bring in yakupertl who has really not made them that much better of a team so you could have had Victor. You actually preferred the direction that doesn't even guarantee you a playoff spot. You missed out on that chance. And now Jakob Pearl's a fridge in this offseason. This crop of players leads you to the ninth seed. And the floor is the floor is ninth seed. The ceiling is 48 wins in a first-round exit. Masai Ujiri, he's one of the best gems in the league, but I don't know where he's going with this team. Now and we've got the-, the Thunder versus the Pelicans. Two younger teams. No Zion Williams in this matchup. He's not coming back. I mean... He takes a long time to recover. There's always setbacks, and I think we knew that after he only played one game in 2023. Man, Trey Murphy and Brandon Ingram have been playing out of their minds. Brandon Ingram, 28-8 and in his last 21 matchups. Murphy, meanwhile, up to 20 points per game in his last 15. I think the New Orleans Pelicans, who just lost to the Timberwolves, have more than enough offensive firepower to be Oklahoma City. But ultimately, Shea Gilgis-Alexander in the playoffs has proven in his first two seasons, hey, like, this kid can play in the biggest stage in two different series as a starter. I think Shea is going to blow people out of the water this postseason. I think he's going to win this playoff game, and they're next. The Thunder are going to make the playoffs. And in the first round versus the Denver Nuggets, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is going to show exactly why he is a top 15 player, a borderline superstar, because he's one of the three or four best guards in the game. I have him making first-team All-NBA this year, spoiler, and I have him against this very sketchy Pelicans defense. I think it's a little bit overrated this year because they've had the best shooting luck in the NBA. I mean, points are shooting 33% from three, which is ridiculous. It's going to be in for a rude awakening when OKC bounces them out and the playing matchup. Yeah, I, I I agree. I think I I echo baseline. I think this is going to be a Shea game, uh, Shea coming out party. Uh. Yeah, I, I, the defense has always been suspect on the Pelicans. Listen, B.I. and C.J. are liable to go off for, you know, 25, 30 points apiece, but I do I do like the way this OKC Thunder team does play. They play with a lot of energy. They got those young legs, the fresh legs. These kids just, they, they get up and down. 
And I do think I think Shea drops thirty at at least. At least that's what yeah. he does every night. I think Shea drops thirty, and my boy Josh Giddy gets a triple double. Yo, like, Giddy. Oh, Guess me giddy, bro. I, but I also – I want to shout out Mark Dagnall, the Thunder's head coach, because Justin, he's done a hell of a job developing guys like Josh Giddy. Not on defense or Giddy. He has more work. He's not a good defender. But I think OKC is just a better coach team with a better star, and they have so many really quality depth pieces, like Dario Sarge, who's played very well, Isaiah Joe. The Thunder are just a really young team that's well beyond their years. And that's going to lead us to our – Well, John – if if this will be a quick question for all of us, if Zion was fully healthy playing, would our answer change? Yes, if Zion was healthy, the Pelicans wouldn't be a playing team to be a top that, six seed. No, no, I'm just saying for this game. Yeah. Like, let's say he was. So, yeah. yeah, I think right. Zion just he allows you to play your best defenders like the Larry difference Nance. maker. And uh, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind the whole good enough defense around them. They're actually six in defensive rating this year. I just don't think they're that good defensively at anywhere near that. Plus Zion and Brandon Ingram, who are both missing a lot of time, would make them the convincing favorite here. Shifting gears now to the NFL world, because Lamar Jackson kind of feels like he's in limbo, and his team, the Baltimore Ravens, just signed Odell Beckham Jr. to a one-year $18 million deal, $13 million signing bonus. Odell, of course, coming off a second torn ACL. Technically, he says he didn't play with the torn ACL when he went to a Super Bowl and won it with the Rams. I'll be honest with you guys. I think Odell is going to win a Super Bowl MVP if he didn't tear his ACL oh. first, the Bengals. Of course, after his huge touchdown, he does. And I look at him now at 30 years old. I still think Odell is a top 25 receiver, even oh. if he just missed all of last season, because we've seen his body control, his athleticism, the run after a catchability was still there. And giving him the full offseason to recover with Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews as the number one here, I think Baltimore made the obvious choice. That's giving Lamar some help. Rashad Bateman coming off a list rank injury, but there's still one piece missing for Baltimore, and that's a young receiver in the draft. You add in Todd Monken from Georgia, who did a really good job these last couple of years with Stenson Bennett, and he's helped made Stenson an NFL draft prospect. Baltimore's offense next year can be something special if in the first round they find one of these receivers like Quentin Johnston or Zay Flowers. He's a lightning rod, lightning rod or... Jackson Smith and Jigma, one of the best slot receivers in the nation. He probably won't be there in the 20s. I just think the Ravens are one piece away offensively from being a top three team in the AFC. And what this move, signing Odell Beckham Jr. signals to me is that the Ravens are going to keep Lamar. The market has dried. I said it when he requested the trade. Lamar's not going anywhere. He's sticking right here in Baltimore because with his defense and the support he's about to have offensively, this Raven team is going to give him a supporting cast like no other. This is a this is a major move and one that I honestly did not expect. You know, we look at Baltimore and we always talk about it being a destination where receivers don't want to go to because of the playing style over there. And I, I kind of get excited knowing that Odell chose this spot. And obviously some people say uh, it's more of a money grab than anything because they offered was one year, $18 million. So yeah, that's probably the best offer he was going to get from anybody. But to see the Ravens actually invest in a receiver that we know that we have seen play explosive football just as recently as two years ago. And he's capable of so much more. Uh, my, maybe my, I'm too optimistic when I talk about Odell, but I still believe he can be a number one in this league. I still believe he can get to 1200 yards in a season if he stays healthy or, and, and 10 plus touchdowns. If, you know, he's still that guy to me. 
I don't know if I'm just reminiscing too much on his days with the Giants, but I believe in a, you know, in a in a high flying offense and an offense like Baltimore where they're going to be run heavy. But if you can get the ball out to a, a number one, quite like like Odell, you're going to be very dangerous. And and John hit the nail on the head when he says adding a guy like a Zay Flowers in there just makes you even more explosive because J.K. Dobbins is an absolute monster running the football. And anybody that you put in the backfield with Lamar Jackson is going to be lethal. So first off, let's get Lamar Jackson's deal done. And then we can talk about a little bit more with the Ravens hopes and aspirations for the next season. I mean, right there, you hit on it or tweeted immediately. This is, this is, I mean, there's, there's honestly, yes, is this a money grab a hundred percent? I mean, the report was apparently OBJ went to the Jets and offered them, they could match it. And the Jets were like, you know, we're good. <laughs> um, so there's no way in my mind, OBJ didn't talk to Lamar before this deal was made. I, I, I understand the money. But I feel like you wouldn't just go there to go be playing with Tyler Huntley throwing you the football. Right? No shot. No. So uh, I think all points um, are, are, are all stars are aligning to Lamar Jackson headed back to Baltimore. And I think when this, when we first actually ever talked about this on this show, I think this was back in August maybe or, or early September. I said, I don't think Lamar's going anywhere. I, I he's a he was. I, I, it's weird to say this, but he was born to be a Baltimore Raven. He really does feel like it. You know, he was Ozzie Newsom's last pick. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I, I hope that contract that uh, Adam Schefter reported on that was there early September, the three year, the basically three year. $133 million guaranteed with upwards of, you know, 175 to 200 million is still on the table. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, yeah. But I think Lamar Jackson is staying as a Baltimore Raven. He's going to be thrown to, you know, Mark Andrews as usual and now OBJ. And I do, it's hard. You know, I know a lot of people would look at you crazy, Justin, for saying that about OBJ, but, I do have that feeling too. And maybe it is just, you know, I mean, we've seen it before, man. We've seen older receivers in the past have a, a resurgence. I mean, we saw it with OBJ in LA. He wasn't, he wasn't connecting with Baker. There just wasn't a, a wavelength, a connection there. He had like two or three surgeries while in Cleveland too, which just didn't help at all. He went to LA and him and Matt Stafford work. He, he clicked with Cooper cup. He clicked with Sean McVay. He worked perfectly on that system. And like John said, Tragically, he was on his way to a possible Super Bowl MVP, and he tore his ACL. Now he's had two fully reconstructive uh, ACL surgeries. 30 years old, is that explosiveness probably going to be the same? No. Is the is the vert going to be there that it once was? No. But You see the gentle decline with these receivers. Yeah. I think OBJ still can. I think he's going to figure out a way. He's he's now entering this part where he's got to beat you more up here than with his uh, physical attributes. And I think he is. I, I mean, we all, I think we all agree that he's a 
pretty damn good route runner. Crisp with his routes. Super. Yeah, he's got great hands. I mean, we know about the hands, right? So, I mean, I love hearing uh, Skip Bayless bring this up. He says, go and just go watch one of OBJ's uh, pregame uh, catching routines. That You should pay admission to just go see that because it's spectacular, the stuff that he does. So, I think OBJ is going to figure out a way to uh, make it work. I'm rooting for Lamar and, and, and OBJ. Go ahead, John. Yeah. Just a year ago, I don't think they get past the 49ers in the NFC Championship game without him. He had nine catches, 113 yards. Yeah. His playmaking makes him the, the perfect number two to me. Mm-hmm. I still think, though you add him on a one-year deal, this is a prove-it contract. And if Odell does get hurt this year, which is possible, you're going to look at somebody else that can be the more reliable number two to so, Lamar and Mark Andrews. And that's why you have to at pick 22 take a receiver at minimum take one in the second round because this is a deeper wide receiver class the more depth you have a receiver the more time on can can open up this entire playbook and if we're going to really say lamar now has no excuses let's give him no excuses depth at the wide receiver position goes by fast and that's why i think odell's a great signing i would grade this a b because he did pay him a lot of money at 15 to 18 million but the need and the market it's just perfect for odell and it's great for the Ravens. If he has a great season, you re-up that two years, 30, two years, 25 million in all season from now, and you have yourself what's going to be an absolute crazy piece. Now, yeah. I got to ask you guys this question. Yeah. I'm higher on the Ravens than most people, actually, if Lamar does extend, which I'm expecting. In the current AFC, what are the five best teams? I'm going to give you a couple of different squads. I want you to rank them in order. You have the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Bills, the Ravens, the Jaguars. Then we have the Jets who may get Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. or they may not get Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any other team after those six. Chargers. How would you rank those six squads? The Chargers got to be in there too. Um, Chargers at number seven would be the last team. So what is the best team in the SEC right now? You want to go, Justin? Or? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, do you want to go, I go one, you go one, and then, you know, we bounce back just like that? Or do I go my, my full five and then you yeah, go? I'm, I'm, gonna, gonna, I'm, go. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you, Joe. We know yeah, I'm gonna disagree with you. I'm taking the Chiefs, number one. Yeah. I, I'll I also take I, the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I really don't think uh, that's much of a debate. Consensus, yeah. Yeah, I think we can all agree. I don't even need to go into the whole spiel about why they'd be number one. Uh, number two with Lamar. I'm with number two. I'm expecting Lamar to resign. You bring in Odell. I really feel like the Ravens could be the second best team in the AFC. Assuming oh. you take one more receiver at pick 22, this is a good receiver class between Remember, Justin and Zay Flowers. You, you know, you say, assuming you pick a receiver early in the draft, first off, that receiver needs to hit. You know, like, it, it's nothing's a guarantee. So you, you can draft a receiver in the first round. Me and Brandon know all too well that you can draft a receiver in the first round. Yeah, and they, and well, the Ravens aren't the Patriots. Assuming me, they don't whoa, draft whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. Okay. Time time out, let me stop you. Let me stop you. The Ravens have never drafted a Pro Bowl wide receiver in the history of their franchise. Hollywood Brown's pretty close. Not cutting it. Sorry, bud. That's Robbie Anderson, man. He's he's not. He's another Robbie Anderson. He's not a Pro Bowl wide receiver. And if he makes it, he's not going to be a Baltimore Raven. So that's not – that doesn't count. They've only had success signing older guys, Anquan Bolden, Steve Smith. Can't hear you, John. Do the Ravens have a case with – Odell, though, to be the second best team in the NFC. You had no, a real That's a top five defense with John yes. Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson. Yes, 100%. I think the Ravens have just so much versatility now with Odell in the mix. 
Yeah, no, listen, they're a scary team. I mean, there's no doubt about it, but I'm not going to – I mean, for me, it's interchangeable two and three. You guys, it's Cincinnati and Jacksonville. I'm massively high on Jacksonville. Ooh, I, I'm super – I agree with you. not disagree with, Justin? No, I don't. I don't I'm, I'm not putting Jacksonville above Buffalo. I'm not. What? I will. There no, are better teams not, the better I will, than Coach no, Argo. I will. Well, that's more to me. I, honestly, I believe it's it, that's – no. So much shade to, towards uh, Josh Allen. It's but, not shade towards Justin, Josh. It's not. That Bills That's team has even... way more issues at yeah, running wait, back, on. on the offensive line, at edge rusher. The yeah. Jaguars have way less and are Justin, way younger Justin. with more projectable growth. We're, we're, as high as I am on the Jaguars, believe me, I, I don't knock them one bit. But remember, we're talking about a team that, that blew what? What did they do? They came back with 24. No, 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 I know. My bad. They came back. They lost. This is a team that had no cap room and couldn't improve in the offseason. So they we're, added we're Calvin the Ridley, team. who had 1,300 yards but two we're years also ago. also talking about a ago. team that that's the only bit of postseason experience they have, and we're going to throw them a, up against the Buffalo Bills. who took The Buffalo the Bills are not a good team. They have Josh Allen, who has to mask all of their defense. are not a good team, John. They don't what? have a running back. They don't have a good offensive line. And with Von Miller coming off a torn ACL at 34 true. years old, I'm not is, even is, sure if they have a top-five defense. Is Buffalo not in your top five in the Wait, AFC? I'm not. They're not my top four. They're not right now. Up until you find an offensive line, uh, up to find a running back and a better offensive line, I think Josh Allen is really being given the impossible task here against better teams with quality head coaches. I think the Ravens, Bengals, and Jaguars are two, three, and four. Number five for me would then be the Bills. For, all right, so Justin, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna disrespect. Listen, you know how I'm not that high on Josh Allen, right? You know that, but I'm not gonna sit here and disrespect the Bills and call them not a good team like John just said. That that's a little too far. They have a great quarterback. I don't, yeah, but I, I, don't I don't like your roster a, much. After I don't think that. you could be the fifth best team in the AFC and be not a good team. I, I just that, they have that top five quarterback. That's why I put him in there. He doesn't have much support. I, I don't. I just don't think that correlates. I mean, you're you're the one who tells me you, it's a team game. I, I'm the one who makes the quarterback arguments here. So. You know what, Bram? You want to be I, me honestly, now? You want to be I me? Exactly. You can have my a chair bit if you hyperbole want. Hyperbole, saying they're not a good team, but the Bills have a lot of issues, and with the they way don't. the roster's trending, both of these teams they're just worse yeah, on paper. You, you know, and we I, saw I, that I, the last three years. Well, in the wait, playoffs. no, Justin, Justin, I get again and again against all of these teams. I hear you. That's I'm bringing them down. That uh, listen, my whole point was not just Josh Allen. I'm not disrespecting Josh. I'm saying, dude, I saw what the Jacksonville Jaguars did, taking that jump with from Urban to Dougie P, and how Trevor Lawrence just completely transformed. How that team transformed, and we saw what they did. They came back from a big, uh, uh, um, um, a lead against the uh, San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers. And then they went and played Kansas City in Kansas City and only lost by seven points. Seven. No, uh, you say you, you say right. they're not experienced. The team isn't. That head coaches. The coaches. The head coaches. And now they got some experience. Now they got a number one coming in in Calvin Ritty, who's a true one thousand yard wide receiver. They're gonna draft those young players on the defense. Are gonna get better. I truly believe the Jaguars are primed and ready they're going to win that division i think they're primed and ready to make that jump i'm i don't know how far i'm going with that i still have to evaluate a couple of things in the draft and the off season still to come and otas and etc i'm not going to disrespect the bills what i would say is like i said cincinnati and jacksville are kind of interchangeable for me 
to finish it off, the Bills are kind of interchangeable with me too. I would say Bills, Chargers, Ravens are all kind of in that mix right there as the fifth team because they all have these these flaws that I look at that I don't like at all. While the other three teams, Jacksonville, Cincinnati, and, and Kansas City, I look at them and I say they can overcome, and I've seen them overcome these deficiencies. And let me go clear this up. The Bills have won 11 to 13 games each of the last four years. And a lot of Bill fans coming at me for saying they don't have a good team. They have a okay roster and a great quarterback in Josh Allen. And when I look at the Jaguars, they don't have many holes. But, they have uh, a quality proven Super Bowl winning head listen, coach. Uh, let, let's and then look Justin at the John. Bengals. And really the Bengals have him. built a really good offensive line. They don't have too many holes, and they have a really well-coached defense. And then at last, I look at who was my other team at the Chiefs Baltimore, Baltimore. and Baltimore, the Baltimore Ravens have a top five defense and also a top eight, top eight quarterback. It's one MVP. So that's why the Jaguars bills. And of course the Bengals ahead of the the bills. We've seen that in each of the last two years, they add in Damian Harris. That's a good signing, but I still don't know if that's going to be the solution to all of their problems in December, even in November where they start to just start to trend downward more and more in this division. The Bills next year could be like a 10-win team that comes in third. You, you know, for me, uh, hearing people talk about the Bills now and all the hype surrounding the AFC with guys like Trevor Lawrence, understandably so, uh, Aaron Rodgers potentially coming to the AFC East. Uh, to me, it sounds like to a lot of people, the Bills are suddenly becoming an afterthought in the AFC. They're slowly falling behind because they've lost a couple of playoff games to who? Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow? the top two quarterbacks in the AFC probably. And honestly, I, I'm surprised you say Ravens too and not Bengals too. My, my one and two is Kansas City and then Cincinnati just because you got to give respect to Joe Burrow. And then number three, I'm going to grow with Buffalo for the simple fact that, like I said, I think a lot of people are going to be down and out on them going into the season because of some, some defensive shortcomings and you know, what they've lacked on offense, but I do feel like in the draft, they're going to address all the issues that they need and things will look a whole lot different. The NFL season changes on a week-to-week -week basis. You guys will, will be looking at the Buffalo Bills in a different light week eight and look at them even more different in week 11. You sure about I, that? I look uh, at them more and more negatively each year week 11. I look at, don't you think Von Miller's 20 CL really hurts their defense? Yeah, it, it does. It, it hurt them tremendously, and we saw that this season. And after taking running backs in three of the last four years, finding no solution any of those guys between Moss, Cook, and Singletary, that, hey, they may try to address these position leads, but maybe the Bills just aren't that good at drafting either. What player have they hit on the draft? Ed Oliver at nine? No. Gregory Russo at 30. I like his development, but he may not be number one. Kyrie Elam had some promising moments at 23. Like, the Bills have not drafted relatively well around Josh Allen. They've made some good moves, right? Stephon Diggs is a true top five receiver. I like some of those other pieces, namely Khalil Shakurli took in the fifth round. Their tight end group's pretty good, Dawson Knox. But they still don't have this reliable, like, running game. Their offensive line doesn't have much talent. So... I don't think we're going to look at them differently in week 11. I think we're going to have a lot of the same really expectations on them until they prove to us we can hit on a running back in the draft. Also, I'll say Buffalo, and one thing that's going against them, Buffalo, 
possible hardest division in football, Jacksonville That's is is in a very winnable and easy division. And it's a walk in the park. So yeah. we're not disrespect. I'm not disrespecting Josh. He's a top three quarterback to me, but great teams, man. I give them the respect. The top five or six squad in the AFC, but this could be a regression year if this squad does not draft well, Justin. So my top five in the AFC would be Chiefs at number one, Bengals at two, Ravens at three, Jaguars at four. Now I expect the Jaguars next year to win more games. I have Trevor Lawrence as a sneaky MVP pick, and then number five after Jacksonville, I've got Buffalo. The Chargers and my Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. Okay. So uh, for me, I'm going Chiefs number one, Cincinnati Bengals number two, Buffalo Bills number three. I'll go, this is tough, but I'll go Jaguars number four. And uh, since none of you guys have touched on this, I'm just going to go with the assumption. If Aaron Rodgers is playing for the Jets, I'm going to say Jets number five. Oh, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. I would have the Jets at number six right behind the Bills. But until they get Aaron Rodgers, I'm not going to pencil them in. Personally. Oh, man. It's just a matter of when, not if. Yeah, when. So, so I, I think presuming Aaron Rodgers is in, is in a Jet uniform, I have the Jets finishing number five in that ranking right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I got Chiefs, Bengals, Bengals, Jaguars. Those two are interchangeable. And then, uh, who's my fourth team? Bengals Jaguars? and Jaguars interchangeable? Yeah, I said they're okay. interchangeable. Respect. I do believe the Jaguars are going to take a big jump. I'm forgetting I'm who my that. fourth team was. Um, Ravens? I don't think it's the Bills. Sorry. Chargers? Well, it's not the Bills. The Bills were the fifth, uh, My one of my fifth teams. Chargers? No. Oh, I said, oh, I said four and five are interchangeable between the Chargers, Bills, and uh, Ravens. Yeah, and I'll even throw, listen, Cleveland's a sleeper to me. Too. Right, Cleveland really improved their defense. The two, like, swing teams are Denver and the Browns. There's just pretty big questions at coach. Yeah, if, 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 both quarterbacks, if both quarterbacks uh, come in this year and they oh, yeah. go back to what we know them to be, this AFC could be a lot more uh, different. Yeah. They're just in really right. tough divisions as well, like yeah, the Bills. Yeah. Um, so that's our final thoughts on the Ravens. I'm granted the Yoda Beckham Jr. signing a solid B. If he hits, that's that that's going to be an A because now they've got one less hole to worry about on offense and one less excuse for Lamar Jackson. Brandon, now we're going to shift gears for a second time. So, man, the, this is the most exciting part of the episode. Not the NBA playing tournament. Not the Buffalo Bills missing on court running backs. It is UFC 287. Brandon, yeah. this was an absolute day. Hit us with what we got. So, I mean, what a night. Uh, starting off, the main event of the prelims, like I predicted, Kelvin Gaslam and Chris Curtis put on the fight of the night, uh, back and forth, uh, throwing hard level leather. Guys were getting, and they got both guys were rocked on both point, uh, both points. Uh, there was a point taken away. Uh, Gaslam got the unanimous unanimous decision. This. Jesus Christ. Unanimous decision at the end of the uh, end of the fight. Uh, Chris Curtis kind of tweeted afterwards saying, I'd love to, you know, run it back with them. And I'd be totally down with that. And, and this time be a five round main event uh, on a fight night. Moving on to the pay-per-view. We had Raul Rosa Jr. 
the 18 year old phenomenon taking on Christian Christian Rodriguez. Now listen, Raul had a good first round. Uh, he he chased the takedown a lot, like I mean a lot, a lot. He was aggressive. Yeah, and uh, the the inexperience kind of showed. Uh, Christian Rodriguez was able to defend majority of the takedowns in the first round. Raul had a uh, you know got his back, got his got a choke. Looked like it was deep, but he was able to ride it out and, and get out of that. And then the last two rounds, Rodriguez just took over. Uh, we saw a little bit of Raul stand up. It is completely non-existent. Uh, he needs a lot of. He's got a lot of work to do. Uh, this is what happens when you open your mouth and you say, you know, I can beat uh, the t- any top fifteen bantamweight in the world. I understand the confidence, but you know, eighteen year olds they, they they do say ignorance is bliss, and you found out. So next up, real quick, Brent, I want to say this: yes. Rodriguez is a pro. He was savvy. And he was, like, the most calm I've ever seen somebody in a fight. Raul was 2 of 19 on strikes. And I felt in the third round especially, I mean, he was just taking him onto the ground. And the triangle he got him in, it looked like he was going up against his younger brother. I'm really impressed with what Rodriguez put on. And at 9-1, man, he needs a lot more credit. I hope he got a lot of his respect. Now, he did miss weight, so can't be having that. One pound. Yeah. Right? How big of a deal is that? I think it was 2 pounds, but... Still, you, you, you can't miss weight. You got to come in. You got to be a professional. He did forfeit, you know, 20% of his purse for that. But, uh, yeah, good win. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, took away some fans from Raul, who had a little a, a big hype train coming in. Next up, we had another uh, very good fight. Kevin uh, Big Mouth Holland taking on Santiago Ponzinibbio, or I call him the Pons. They were going back and forth. Holland was kind of getting the uh, the the majority of it, and then and then really, I mean, I just want to talk about the the knockout because it was it was a beautiful one. I, I mean, he he caught him with the with the left hook, I believe, because his right hand was still not healed from when he broke it back in December. He I just saw an interview he did today with Ariel Hawani. Apparently, he wasn't allowed. He wasn't. Um, uh, allowed to put on a four ounce gl- glove and strike with it until March 24th because his hand was still damaged. So he basically fought that guy almost one uh, pawns one handed and, and he, he delivered a beautiful left hook that, that just sat him down face down ass up. Uh, I know pawns after the fact uh, kind of protested the stoppage, but I, it, it's, it's, it's the ones where the second punch while he was on the ground woke him back up and he thinks that he's okay and then the ref's just going there like no you woke back up you were you were unconscious buddy but you know it, it happens all the time but great win for Colin who uh, was fight uh, on a two fight uh, skid uh, lost to Hamza and and uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson no, no slouches there but you know big win for him there especially the knockout so he's back on the right track. He did call out Jorge uh, after after the um, after his win. Which obviously Jorge retired later on that night, and I don't think we're gonna see that fight uh, in MMA because I think I think Jorge is done. To be honest with you, uh, his what was it, an eight or nine inch reach advantage. Yeah, all he was favoring the left hand because right was boffed. You could just tell the knockout was coming because Holland has a lot of power. Like uh-huh. you're not ready for it, and it's a bam. And, man, I think he's one of the most underrated fighters. Like, his power, length, and confidence, that's that's a rare, rare combination. Confidence is, yeah. It is. It, it is he is 
very confident. Look, man, he was playing nice. They're doing some glove tabs and stuff like that, but nah, he is a killer. Yeah, he's a fan favorite. I, I do want um, he, He's already calling that he wants to fight May 13th against uh, Michael Chiesa, uh, top, I think he's top 15 still, welterweight. So he said he wants to get in there with a grappler. He hasn't fought in a grappler in a long, in a, in a while. So listen, this this is a guy who during the pandemic year fought five times in one year, which is uh, I think a record. So he's, he's always down to fight multiple times a year. Next up, this is where the sadness uh, began for Brandon and his uh, favorite fighters. Uh, it's been a, I know you guys haven't uh, watched UFC fights with me, but basically for the last like three years, it's been a tough go for Brandon and his favorite fighters. They, they, they've fallen on a lot of hard times, you know, Cody Garbrandt, uh, Tony Ferguson, Jorge Masvidal. Uh, yeah. Still, it's a lot of hard time for Brandon. And this was another one. My boy, Adrian, my boy, Good. No, no. Good. So he lost to a fellow Puerto Ricano. He did, and he lost to a Boston. Well, he also lost to a Boston guy, so New England cartel, shout out. Listen, <laughs> Adrianez, the fight for the first, what, basically two and a half minutes, it was a great fight. Uh, both guys were swinging. Adrianez looked very good, still slick as hell. And then Font caught him with an uppercut. Uh, clean. And Yanez was unable to, unable to recover. Don't listen. All right, I'm already going through it, Josh. There's no need to. All right. <laughs> he 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 got hurt. He got rocked. Yanez did, and, and he wasn't able to recover after that. Uh, and fought like a pro. Poured it on after that, and, and really smothered Yanez. And and Yanez, like the warrior he is, very much like a Cody Garbrandt. Bit down on his mouthpiece and, and just started swinging, and that's one of the worst things you could do when you're hurt. Uh, is do that. It it doesn't lead to uh, very good things happening. But that's what it's usually the instinct too when you are a boxer and a striker and you've got power and pop that you just go, well, I'm hurt, I'm wounded, I'm gonna fight and I'm just gonna swing. I was I was yelling at the TV to shoot, you know, shoot for a takedown, try to get some uh, recovery and 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 uh, you know time to pass but he didn't so shout out rob font he was fighting uh, he, he had a two-fight skid uh losing to Cho uh, jose aldo and uh cheeto so that's a big win for rob font big knockout first time Giannis has been knocked out uh in his career so it's a major win for rob font he is a great boxer so he's he's back on the right track and, and as far as the adrian Giannis, listen young fighter he'll be back uh he knows he messed up he was already saying it so He'll be back, and, and I got full faith Adrian Giannis will be a, a top bantamweight uh, for years to come. No doubt. This was the one fight I missed, but the next one, BC, yeah, more pain, huh? Yeah, but it was kind of bittersweet because you, you got to see you know him walk away. I mean, I'm not going to talk much about the fight, but Gilbert was catching Jorge with the right hand multiple times. He was able to get the takedown in the second round and control majority. Uh, and then in the third round, by the third round, Jorge was completely gassed. I mean, it, it's hard to expect it. He was thir he's 38 years old. That was his 52nd pro fight, uh, not to count the countless ones that he fought in the backyard on YouTube for Kimbo Slice back in the day. Uh he just, he, this was the first time Jorge's, you know, age showed himself. 
And listen, it was time to hang up the gloves. It was. Uh, he's had a phenomenal career, Hall of Fame career, in my opinion. Uh, a superstar, a guy who who wasn't. I mean, if you were a hardcore fan, you knew Jorge, but until 2019, the the mainstream people didn't know him. And 2019 will go down as one of the greatest years for a mixed martial artist. He was he was fired of the year, most improved of the year, comeback fired of the year. Uh, I mean, from from the knockout in London on Darren Till to the five second knockout on Ben Askren that just shot him into superstardom to the the BMF title in in MSG with the Rock holding the title against Nate Diaz in the main event that year it it, it, it was it was it's something special. And that's really what sh uh, shot Jorge into superstardom. His only detracting was, you know, he didn't do well against uh, uh, wrestlers. You know, he lost to Usman twice, Colby, and now Gilbert. And listen, there's, that's no slouches. Those are uh, three of the top five welterweights in the world right now. So shout out to Jorge Masvidal. I tip my hat to you. Salute. Great career. It's been an honor to watch you. And uh, Street Jesus has left the building. And I love that he got to do it in his hometown, 305. So it just, uh, yeah, nothing more to say. True, true, you know what? Last thing. His nickname is Game Bread, and he truly was Game Bread through and through. Yeah, I mean, I always think back to that Ashgren fight, looking back. A five-second knockout is not something you would envision. Then you watch it. And at the end, he hits them with a little fake celebration of him being knocked down on the side. Mm -hmm. And that only leads us to... The redemption. Oh. The main event. Champion Alex... I want to try and get it right. Alex Pereira. All right? that, that's the more uh, traditional way of how you say it. Taking on... Israel Adesanya for the middleweight title. Man, this 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 fight was special. This is going to go down in history. I'm going to be honest with you. In round one, it was it was very close. Uh, I gave the the slight edge to Izzy. Uh, not much action. Alex was finding the home for those leg kicks. They were starting to you know hurt Izzy and affect her Izzy similar to in the first fight. This one a lot quicker. Uh, as we saw in the second round, uh, even more. But like I said, when Izzy was going forward and backing Alex up, and when he was in the middle of the octagon, he was winning the fight. He was picking him apart. And and and, and, and Izzy was throwing. I don't know if you picked up on this down, but he was he was throwing. Loved this combination where he would throw the left keep it out there to kind of blind Alex and then throw the right over top. He threw that about seven or eight times throughout the fight. And, and it's a beautiful punch. It's the one he got. He rocked Alex with in the first fight, uh, their first MMA fight at the end of the first round. Now during the second round, I, I said literally out loud, I said, listen, Izzy, Izzy is clearly the better fighter. He is. He has won the majority of the rounds. He is just the, the only thing Alex has over him is the power, which is the is the difference maker. I get that. In, in round two, though, Alex had a lot more success, especially with that leg kicks. Like I said, he was he was starting to hurt Izzy with them. He had a couple of flurries where he was able to back Izzy up into uh, against the cage, which I said was a big no-no for Izzy.
and then and then it happened. So he hit it. Basically, the ending sequence was he hit Izzy with a, a a leg kick, made Izzy switch stance, start backing up. He throws a couple of shots. Izzy curls up, and and Izzy says this after the uh, after the fight in the post fight press conference. He was playing possum there because he knew. All right, Alex is gonna start. You know, opening up, leaving that chin up. The hands going wild. It's exactly what he did. Is he cocked back? Right hand, perfectly placed on the jaw and the cheekbone. Rocked Alex. He kind of like stumbled back, came back, and guess what was there to, to meet him again? A right hand right on the ear. Slept him. Good night. And Israel Adesanya retains his middleweight championship. I went absolutely buck wild for that. Throwing the arrow. Three of them, too. Because you beat me three times, and now I just sent you into the shadow realm, baby. And listen, he became the he made history too. The first fighter to lose three times to the same person and beat him in the fourth fight. And he ended it. He closed the chapter on Alex. Alex does not deserve a rematch. I don't want to hear any of that. He if he wants a rematch, he has to go fight somebody else in 185, win and, and get back to it. But as far as I'm concerned, Izzy has closed that chapter. It's done. I, I, I can't, I can't say enough. I mean, it was a career-altering fight for Adesanya. It, listen, this path could his career could have went easily the other way, but now it's this way, and he's back on top. He's the best middleweight in the world. Uh, I, I got out. He's the second base middleweight of all time, right behind the great Anderson Silva. He's got a tough test uh, ahead of him that hasn't been announced yet. Um, I'm, it's all speculation, but for right now, he gets to bask in his own glory. Uh, shout out Israel Adesanya. Nothing more you could say. I mean, it, it's truly remarkable to be able to witness this. And, and like I, I'll keep saying to you guys, there's nothing like this sport. There's nothing like it on this planet Earth. It, it's the best sport in the world for moments like that. Brent. I missed that last 30 seconds and I hear Joe Rogan screaming. I'm like, what the hell happened? And I see someone just knocked out. I'm like, like no, no way that he got Izzy again. I'm like, no way. And then I see Izzy shooting a bow and arrow. I'm like, what the hell happened? And I look at the replay I'm watching. I'm like, okay, well, he's got him back up against the wall. The same way he beat him last time. Got him on a knockout. And then Izzy, you can tell me he's defending as seeing Alex, open up, and as you said, Bam Bam sleeps him. And then afterwards, after his son mocked him the last time he got knocked out, he, he finds him, finds him, points to him, goes, boop. <laughs> that, to me, was one of the greatest celebrations I've seen. But, man, it is really special to see not only these fighters play, but the actual technical side of it, the preparation, knowing, okay, this is where you beat me last time, and how oftentimes, man, the boxer, the other boxer loses does not see it coming. We saw it with Kamaru versus Leon, right? The first time, I think, it was that he got his revenge before he beat him a second time. And then we just saw it now with Izzy. There's a lot more that goes into it than just the standard baning back and forth. It's awesome. It's, it's listen, it's, 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 a, it's a special feeling. And, and, and he, he, if you listen to the post, uh, fight interview with Joe Rogan, uh, Izzy's speech. I mean, he was elated. He, he literally basically just begged uh, the world. If, if you could feel the happiness that I'm feeling right now, uh, 
because it's it, it's he's got to be on you know cloud nine. You you lose to a guy three times, one by a split decision, controversial. The second time, flatlined you. The th- and, and like John said, the, his own kid is mocking you. The third time in your new sport, he follows you, comes there, gets fast tracked. You take the fight, knowing full well he's being fast tracked. You take it. You're winning, and you get TKO'd. Early stoppage, in my opinion, but TKO'd, fair play, in the third fight. You come back five or six months later. Your coach even says he came back a little too early this camp. I'm not a big fan of how fast he came back. You keep saying, listen, I'm not playing around this time. I'm coming to take it. And there's something about fighting with no worries anymore. What do I got? You've you finished me twice. I lost you three times. I got nothing more to lose. And, and and Izzy fought like that. He was waiting. He was like, I'm not letting you off the hook anymore. I'm gonna get you. And he finally caught him. And shout out, I, I just I can't say enough about it. Israel Adesanya, best middleweight in the world. Uh shout out to the the last style bender. Truly a special talent. Isn't one of another another one of his nicknames Stonehands? No, that's so. not one of his other nicknames. No, no, he's just okay. the last style bender. Yeah, I thought that was another one of his nicknames. Okay, no, I haven't heard that. I seem yeah. like he had stone hands with that knockout, but you know what? I love, I, I love the celebration, and you know, like you said, Brandon, I didn't know this is all. You know, I, I learned more about the UFC when I hear you talk. When you lose to somebody three three times in a row, at some point, this becomes very personal. It's like that Michael mm-hmm. Jordan meme. You know, it, it became personal to me. Oh, and guess what? And, guess what, Justin? And you bring that mm-hmm. up. He 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 uh, tweeted Instagram as he did after the fight. Oh, I the the kid thing, uh, and I really? took it personal. And he t- and he did the exact thing that MJ. It, oh, and I took it personal. It, it became personal, yep. and you could see it all in that celebration. Like I, I'm watching that, seeing the three arrows that he's shooting at this guy, and then him throw himself on the floor. I was like, oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. that 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 meant something. That's a cool energy, and you know it's always fun when you see Joe Rogan getting up out of his seat, screaming after a knockout. Oh yeah, I mean the the, I think it's still my Facebook uh, banner thing is the Joe Rogan meme where he's just like, it out of his mind. I mean the 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 reactions they get of all those guys after the fights are incredible because they just go, oh, <laughs> it's hilarious. But um, last last thing I I do want to um kind of portray to the fan base and and maybe John cuts this off and and makes it a TikTok because I do want to get people's opinions on this. Because the 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 conversation started to arise after that fight. Is Israel Adesanya a top ten mixed martial artist of all time? I go back and forth. Um, for me, this is my list from ten to one. Ten Henry Cejudo, nine Daniel DC Cormier, eight Stipe Miocic, seven Jose Aldo, six Habib Nurmagomedov, five Demetrius Johnson. Four, Anderson Silva. Three, controversial, but I'll die on this hill. Amanda Nunes. Two, George St. Pierre. One, John Bones Jones. Honorable mentions outside are Izzy, Alexander Volkanovsky, Max Holloway, Kamaru Usman, BJ Penn, and you got to throw Conor McGregor in there as well. Um, but I do just want to get uh, the fans' opinions on that and really know, uh, you know, 
what they think, what their top 10 is. No Conor McGregor in the top 10? No, uh, it's just for me, listen, biggest superstar, megastar, megastar. I shouldn't even say superstar. He he transcended U- the UFC. He is a megastar. Uh, he actually might be the biggest combat uh, sports athlete of all time, even surpassing Muhammad Ali. He won two titles, two division weights. He never defended them. He's got some redemption arc. He can come back too. This, he's coming back uh, supposedly this year at the end of this year against Michael Chandler. He can make another run. But for me, it's uh, I, defending the titles means a lot to me. There's the quote of, you're not a real champion until you defend the titles. I'm he with you on defended, there. Yeah. I'm sorry, I missed. Where do you have Kamaru Usman? He's an honorable mention. He's not top 10 for me. Okay. No, I don't have a top 10 list. Usually when we do these talks, talk, topics, I have one for NFL and NBA. But I'm a casual, so it's going to yeah. take me some time to formulate a list. To form, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. in six months, maybe a year from now, I'll have a list, Brand. But for now, no. Yeah, I, 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 got grew, I grew up on the guys like Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell right. from the video game. So we're, mm-hmm. we're, they're, not, they're not top 10 worthy? No, no. I mean, back then, I mean, GSP was back then too. Mm-hmm. Um, Jose Aldo kind of towards the tail end of that time, Anderson Silva tail end. But yeah, no, th- those guys, I mean, BJ Penn. But, but no, Chuck and uh, Tito. Chuck is probably he's one of the greatest light heavyweights of all time. Uh, Tito's up there too. But uh, as as terms of like um, pound for pound or, or all together, uh, no, they're they're just they don't meet the mark. Yeah, no, they, they, it, that was also just such a different time back then where the fighters weren't as well rounded as they are now. Uh, like the the, it, it's hard to forget about the UFC. I know it's it's not the sport, mixed martial arts is the sport, but UFC has only been around for thirty years, so. It's still in its kind of infancy stages. Well, since the biggest it's ever been before now, so. Oh, yeah, especially with the ESPN app and the merger with WWE and UFC merging together to create a the biggest sports combat company in the world. <laughs> you know, I'm really getting into this, John. I, uh, it's funny to me. So now we've discussed 287. I've seen a lot of people saying that Odell is overpaid, and I'm just like, has Odell been injured the last two years? He missed all of 2017 nearly. Yes, he's had injury issues. I really don't think Odell is overpaid. I think 15 to 18 for a guy that can give you 1,000 yards and is the best receiver on the market, and you also don't have to get a draft pick up for, for a one-year proof of deal, I feel like for Baltimore, that was right in line with what Odell's market value is. 10 to 15 is 15 rich yes but if odell stays healthy this year plays let's say 12 games that could be the difference between baltimore being literally knocked down the first rounds if lamar misses a couple of games too they can miss the playoffs and going to the AFC championship game because odell was influential and just really the exact number two when robert woods went down that got the rims to the super bowl and on that stage mm-hmm. had one of the biggest plays of the game in the first half the guy's a playmaker. We've seen that in multiple different playoff games. So I just, I'm not riding with it, man. He gets Lamar Jackson now. With Tom Monka being in the building, their passing playbook will open up so much. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, he, he listen, he balled out in those playoffs and in that Super Bowl with the Rams. Um, this is the way I'll phrase it for you, John. It's simple. If he balls out this year, 
it nobody's going to look at this contract as a second thought. It, it'll be, you know, water under the bridge. He balled out. You succeeded. If he gets hurt or he doesn't ball out, then the talks become you overpaid for him. So it's really just a, a wait and see type of thing with Odell. Yeah. Yeah. B- before we wrap up, when it, when it comes to uh, that contract specifically, uh, my last comments on that are going to be simply, you know, not every team is going to view Odell in the same light. So a Baltimore Ravens team that doesn't have an explosive number one receiver or a number one receiver in general, uh, $18 million for Odell Beckham, it's worth it. That's Deontay Johnson, oh. Christian Kirk. Tyler Lockett, Mike Evans, like he's better than half of those guys. Oh, I think it's better it, than Mike it's Evans. That's the 15th highest paid receiver in the NFL. Look, man, I think this Raven team, as a Steeler fan, they could actually beat Pittsburgh this year. That That's something they haven't been able to do too much with Lamar. And uh, one last thought, since we're talking about wide receivers. Who is the next breakout team in the NFL altogether? That's a little bit random enough. I, I was just talking about receivers. I'm sorry. Who is the next breakout team in 2023? Fuck. How do I wear this? What a, what NFL team in 2023 will break out? I'm going to start off, guys, with the Jaguars. They lost five games last year in October, and they still went to the playoffs. Had one of the greatest comebacks we've seen. And now they're adding Calvin Ridley, who had 1,300 yards. He gets a top-five quarterback in making Trevor Lawrence. I think the second year of Kyle's newly Dougie P is going to set them up to win 12 or 13 games in this upcoming year. Justin, go ahead. Uh, I I won't say the Jaguars because I don't. I think they did break out this past year. So, I mean, yeah, their ceiling is now a little bit higher. So we expect a whole lot more from them. I think my breakout for this upcoming season is going to be the New York Jets. Uh, high expectations going into the season. You had a chance to make the playoffs last year, missed it. And now you're, you know, hopefully acquiring one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever step foot on a football field. As a Patriot fan, it pains me to say it, that the Jets are going to be a very good football team next year. And I expect them to be in a lot of people's top five power rankings, not just mine today. Uh, I mean, well, I'm not going to, you know, be boring. And even though I've been on record about how high I am on Jacksonville, uh, but so one team out there, Detroit, definitely. I think they're taking a big jump, but I'll 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 go with this team. The Cleveland Browns are going to be a major sleeper and a breakout team. Uh, I do believe Deshaun. It's listen. It wasn't an injury. Uh, we know why he was out. I think he just needs the reps. They still got a good team. They got a good old line. They still got Nick Chubb, top three running back in the league, if not the best. Uh, Amari Cooper is a number one receiver. David Njoku, you still got um, uh, Miles Garrett on the defensive line and D- Denzel Ward in uh, in the secondary. So They plugged a lot of holes this offseason too. Mm-hmm. Dalvin Tomlinson. I've got one more team actually while we're at it. Last team, the Carolina Panthers are winning the NFC South next year. They won seven games, four and two in their division. Carolina might have a top five defense if they stay healthy. I'm talking Jeremy Chin and J.C. Horn. They don't have many holes. And now this offseason, you add in a quarterback for Frank Reich. The more I think about it, the more Bryce Young warms up to me. I think Bryce Young can win Rookie of the Year. And the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Saints, there are all these teams that won seven games. They're trying to compete. No, the Panthers are above all those teams. They have the best coach, far and away the best defense from where it's trending. 
and I think they could have the best quarterback in this division as well. Frank Reich is being given a bad rap from the end of his days in Indianapolis. I truly think the Panthers this coming year are going to win 10 to 11 games. So yeah, that's kind of one of my hot takes, I guess. I just think Carolina's going to... They're going to surprise some people this year. I mean, in that we'll, division, I mean, I expect them to be first. We'll, we'll talk about, um, I mean, how quickly. I'd love for everybody to pull up the tape of me talking about how Carolina is kind of a sleeper team last year. Uh, and I was being laughed at by both of you guys. You're like Kings fans the year before they broke out. Yeah, 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 yeah. It but was just Matt Rule. Said. Listen, if Matt Rule wasn't there, I would have been right. But listen, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll talk about it on Thursday's episode about the draft. I have a little bit of a disagreement on Bryce Young, but. Word. Yeah. With all that being said, I'll wrap up episode number 92. James Harrison's down. Guys, Jersey no more. The Wise Guys Hall podcast. Dude, it's like a kid small, man. Like, Hall like of Famer, no. Hall of Famer. But hell yeah, he's a Hall of oh, Famer. Oh, Defensive oh, player of the year. Oh, and second all time, I think, it's still Zach's because of TJ Watt. With all that being said, I'll wrap up the episode. We hope you enjoyed. And if you did, be sure to like and follow. Just engage with the video, man. If you enjoy, we're trying to build a community here. Not just YouTube content. If you agree with our takes, let us know where we're probably... Those are some topics you want to see us do. And also be sure to check out the Patreon link in the description. As always, we'll see you next time. Peace. In honor of Adesanya, stay classy.